0: Welcome back to the Crooked Spine Show. The profession of physical therapy, like chiropractic, sometimes get a bad reputation based on the person, not the profession. What I mean by that is sometimes the person you see, the physical therapist or chiropractor, it does not have the experience, communication skills, um, sometimes lacks all of that. Dr. Joel Kim is a doctor of physical therapy and is a model of for physical therapists to follow in the sense where he has great experience, his techniques he uses, his patient care is phenomenal, his patient assessment is phenomenal, communication skills is phenomenal too. Many of you with him today in the Crooked Spine Show, we talk about exactly how to communicate well, what it, physical therapy should be doing to make the profession work well with patients to get them not the only better, but keep them better on their own, especially with the movement patterns which he talks about in detail, which I completely agree with. So do I talk, my friends it's a good one to understand how to pick the right physical therapist that point you get the right care and stay healthy overall all right the show notes has highlights to um the overall show along with links to his website his facebook group too and his also consultation free free 30-minute consultation on the previous podcast along with the previous podcast as a video too all right my friends have a great week and i'll see you next week all right we are live crooked spine to interview again with dr joel kim he is in san marino correct yes Good. He has his own physical therapy clinic. He does a phenomenal job. Let's talk about why I want to interview him. It's hard to find a good consistent physical therapy experience with my page that I have in my office, chiropractic patients, I'll send physical therapy to go on their own too. There's so many different variations of what doctors do, what PTs do. I want to find out what Dr. Kim does. It's exactly why does he have such a great reputation in his community? Why is that? I want to pick his brain and see exactly what his treatments do that helps his clients get better consistently all the time. He's also going to stand to what his assessments are, what he does there, and how he figures out what's your problem. And I love that he works with understanding to communicate with his patients well, along with understanding what motion does do so. Dr. Kim, we get started. What is the difference between a physical therapist and a doctor physical therapist? What does that mean?
1: Hey, Dr. Joni, uh, thanks for having me on the show. Of course. Um, so the, a regular physical therapist is, I think, what most people think of what a physical therapy does, uh, yes. which is, of uh, course, treating the uh, musculoskeletal system and which, wherever they may work. The doctor physical therapy, the D part, mm-hmm. um, what that does is that in school, in PT school, we basically have had more training where we can do medical screening yes. to, see, to see and make sure if the patient is a good candidate for physical therapy.
0: Good, okay. And with that training, is that more hours at school, is it more after a school training or how does that work?
1: Um, it's, it's more semesters. So instead of uh, like one semester anatomy and one semester of kinesiology at the graduate level, is two semesters. Um, so for example, in my program, instead of one semester of anatomy of everything in the body, it was one semester of everything up and then the other semester everything down.
0: So there's more detail involved then, too. Yes. Good. And he said, you know your stuff. I've worked with other DPTs, too. Allows you to give you that person's well being issue versus just their shoulder, just their wrist, just the elbow, correct? Yes. That's part of it. And, and when we get basically get into it, and how did you, how many years have you been in practice, Doc? Uh,
1: about eight years.
0: <laughs> wow! And what made Almost you want to like go to private digits. practice?
1: Um, I actually didn't um, foresee myself starting my own practice. I okay. think a lot of uh, maybe, maybe maybe some uh, people may relate to that. Uh, the reason why I want to start my own practice, um, well, the seed was planted by one of my mentors. Okay. Um, and I was like, "You're nuts." And then a few years down the line, he was like, I kept chatting with him back and forth. He was like, Joel, you'll never be happy unless you start your own practice. I'm like, look, this this isn't me. (laughs) And um, then it got to the point where the pain was too much to do what I was doing, that the gain to start my own practice was greater. And the thing that pushed me over the edge was COVID. (laughs) So why? because uh, the clinic shut down, uh-huh. and I have a wife and two kids I needed to support, uh-huh. so I opened up my garage and started to my friends and family, and right. it just went from
0: there. Wow! Uh, you're you're the seventh eighth story I've heard of where COVID was the push mm. to start my own business, to start to go on my own, have my own practice, go solo for one two. You have no. I want to say you don't have any choice, but you really have no choice. Do I love this enough? To do it on my own and figure out as I go,
1: mm. right? Yeah,
0: it's amazing when you have that that drive to continue going, and and in that drive, to now you've had, now you have, I want to call it more resilience to get through whatever comes next.
1: Uh, it's it, the resilience is growing.
0: Yes, it's you're getting thicker skinned as my as my grandmother would say. Mm. <laughs> And going through and going back to your practice now, uh, what what is your treatments that you normally do? Is it is it? I know you have different manual therapies you do. Uh, let's walk through them and help tell them tell us how it's different, especially top three expert manual, function manual, and cranial sacral. Uh,
1: so expert manual, it's it's more for the marketing, um, a, a paradigm uh, because when a lot of people go into physical therapy, most people think of massage and mobilizing the joints, mm-hmm. which probably shoulder or the knee. Okay. Um, the reason why we advertise extra manual therapy is because um, it's more than just the massaging, <laughs> right? Sorry, sorry, sorry. The, the tenderizing of the meat, the softening of the meat, and just getting the joints to move. Um, what, what we do is that we Um, take these different paradigms uh, that we've learned and uh, in each of those paradigms that they have different algorithms for solving a problem in an area. Okay. And uh, we skip around in those algorithms uh, based on our uh, the, the clinical presentation and we put all those pieces together in order to move like sometimes the solid organs need to get moved. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes the the dura needs to be glided. Um, sometimes the peripheral nerves uh, need a little loosening and kind of thrusting through. Um, also, um, we, we we find is use what we also do is we use our hands to actually get the core to kick in mm-hmm. uh, much faster. So rather than six to eight weeks of doing the bridges and and then finally kicks in. We actually use our hands uh, through the principles of PNF uh, to get the core in that exact spot. And it may be in the shoulder or the neck or the hip or the ankle, the foot or the knee. And to get that to not just kick in, but to actually feel and so diagnose and so treat the timing of the motor response so Good. that that area is protected so that's our expert manual therapy
0: well, i like that because you're you're actually allowing things to reset first and then get them to start working the muscle more on them so you're, you're actually doing the reset on your own you are dr kim not the patient itself so you so you know exactly what we're looking for what's going on use your experience and knowledge and expertise to make sure it's done right then you can start moving things around first can actually improve like you said a fast rate versus letting that body you almost can accelerate the healing naturally because you can do it on its own.
1: Yes, and so that's and and you, and you said that Dr. Tony, uh, right on because the um, the the that paradigm actually comes from the functional manual therapy approach.
0: Okay.
1: So um, I'm one of the few in the entire world that's a certified <laughs> functional manual therapist, and the f- functional manual therapy par- the functional manual therapy um, was uh, paradigm was. Is, is the functional therapy paradigm is are, are three pillars. It's improving one's mechanical capacity, okay. the second one is proving the neuromuscular function, and the third one is proving their motor control. Got so it. the mechanical capacity is if we want the body to move a certain way, there's a block, that block has to get released. So that improves mechanical capacity. And once it's released and they have that full motion, then we train that neuromuscular uh system uh by evaluating treating the four steps so when uh, we're evaluating treating initiation strength endurance and ability to fully relax and elongate then once they have the two uh, mechanical capacity uh, neuromuscular function then we train the motor control which is uh, getting the system to do what's important for that patient Um, and uh, and then we, and if things are not right, that's okay. We take that small part, pull it out, improve the mechan- mechanical capacity, uh, neuromuscular function. We plug it back to the motor control system. We hit the play button and we see how that video plays through. And that's the paradigm of the functional manual therapy approach.
0: It's almost like you're trying to get everything to work together. So you're making sure it all is coordinating properly. So not one part is going to be the weak link of the system, correct? Yes, that's correct. Oh, you know? And I like that because it, it's more of a person's well being approach versus just a joint moving properly on its own.
1: Yes. So instead of like shoulder, just mobilize the glenohuma joint, mm-hmm. it's evaluating treating the scapulothoracic joint, the thoracic cage to include the ribs, you no know, cervical spine, sometimes cranium, mm-hmm. and it may even go to the elbow, wrist, or the hand.
0: It's almost, and I love that because you look at one joint, okay, that may be the, where the symptoms are, but what are the joints are controlling that joint that can, can throw things off in it, than it should be, where it can't be as flexible, as strong, and have the endurance, like I said, ability to relax also. Yes. That's part of it. And what is the cranial psychotherapy, therapy, sir?
1: So cranial therapy is manual therapy with very light touch, extremely light touch. It's okay. about five grams of pressure. About a weight of a nickel, meaning that if you take a nickel, put it on your skin, that's how much pressure is being placed on the skin. Mm -hmm. And the great thing with craniosacral therapy is that it's really effective with patients who have acute conditions or fragile conditions. Um, So it's it's a wonderful way to switch Kung Fu styles between uh, the functional manual therapy approach and to cranial sacral therapy approach. And the great thing about cranial sacral, like I tell my patients, is helping the person heal inside out, Mm -hmm. where the functional therapy uh, mechanically is more outside in.
0: It's amazing, and you're thinking, you're right up a chiropractic axillary too with the inside out approach, is you're letting them, the body let you know what you can and can't do, correct?
1: Yes. A lot of
0: people go to physical therapy and there's only one way to do it. That point, when when there's only one day you can hurt someone, and then I want to come back. When you think about what does the person need, how do I help the person today, then we progress to manual therapy, progress to functional manual therapy. You can do other things that over time can happen, but we have to start somewhere else and then work up to it.
1: Yes. And the reason why I, I studied cranial psychotherapy is because my mentors in functional manual therapy, uh, Greg Johnson and Vicki Johnson, Greg Johnson always challenged us to use our intuition and to treat the dura. And at that time, we're like, what? Like, it's about Mm -hmm. algorithms and research and critical thinking and, you know, problem solving. And he's telling us to use our intuition and to treat this body part that we've never heard of before.
0: And and let's go backwards for a second. What is dura so my patient can understand from a simplistic point of view?
1: Yeah, the dura is the most superficial layer of the of the Ziploc bag that covers the nervous system. Good. And then the Ziploc bag are the meninges and meninges have three layers. The most superficial layer is the dura, also known as dura mater, meaning tough mother. Mm-hmm. And the middle layer is a arachnoid mater. And the inside layer is the pia mater, pia mater means soft mother.
0: It almost works together to again protect those nerve, that myelin sheath per se, allows things to work better. So if that works well, the nurse can work well. It's all one system. Yes. And and I like math in the sense where I use technique called biophysics chiropractic allows you to understand there's valid ways that can, you can show that a certain curve should be a certain motion should be a certain way. There should be certain, for certain, if we want to call it standards, we're making, we're trying to get to over time versus just guess. Yes. I'm I'm good with math when it goes to that. When it tries to add the tip on a $100 bill, I'm like, ah, why is it be so high? I don't get it. I
1: don't Yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. It has to go with also just knowing uh, the algorithm. Mm-hmm. And then if you know the algorithm, which is exhaustive, right, you can use your training and experience to thin slice the algorithm to get right to where you believe that the problem is, which is the hypothesis.
0: And, and then you just and, and you just go from there. And clarify me or tell me if I'm wrong too. The algorithm gives you different, if you want to call it, hypotheses what it can be. Then using your 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 expertise, your knowledge, your experience allows you to kind of narrow that down to one or two things. So you, your action steps, your therapy will will help get those one or two things better.
1: Is that correct? Yeah. It saves time.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and it
1: meets, it meets expectations.
0: And it, and it gives you a way to quantify it, the person's results, correct?
1: Uh, quantify and qualify.
0: Good, good. So the person helper is going to feel, but also this is what we're aiming for to get these numbers better per se.
1: Yes.
0: And, and going into private practice, again, and being an expert in your field and being, again, a, a great practitioner in the community over eight year period, why is mentorship so important? Off topic, off topic, is off topic. Why, why is mentorship so important to get you where you are right now?
1: Because you can learn faster.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's mm-hmm. it's much more effective to have someone who's made all the mistakes,
0: mm-hmm.
1: all the mistakes, and they're with you day in, day out, and they're with your treatment, and they go, oh, not a good idea. Don't mm-hmm. do not do that. Do this instead. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, okay. And then you do it. You're like, wow. How
0: did, How did that know? work? <laughs> when when, when I bought a, learning
1: goes a little faster.
0: Well, what I bought my practice, same thing too, I bought my practice. But also it was the previous owner coming back and going, I'm going to teach you what I know to make sure you don't, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Right? Yep. I mean, that's, and that's what school's for too. But school is good for knowledge, so we have to pass the boards. But finding a mentor to help you learn how to practice, how to gain that accelerated learning so you become your own expert over time, those are invaluable people.
1: Yeah. The the school just gives us permission and it tells the public that hey, we won't kill you. Yeah. And or, uh, or if,
0: if they do, we they'll we'll go collect their insurance.
1: Yeah. Right? They're, they're, they're trained for the insurance system. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there there is a people understand that I mean everyone has malpractice in healthcare. My practice allows you to, a way to protect the, uh, the 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 world or people around it you treat from you if you do make a mistake, whatever it might be. But also our license tells us we, we've learned and we can practice a standard of care that is legitimate and is safe as much as possible.
1: It's very safe.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> May
1: not be effective, but... Is very safe. You're you're probably within two standard deviations, you know, nope. helping a person get better rather than like exactly what they need.
0: Yeah. No, no. And sometimes what they as as I as I found too, sometimes what the pace expectation is may not be enough. They want to just be out of pain. No, no, let's get you out of pain so you can now do this, 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 and this. Phenomenal. Yes. And doctor Dr. Kim, walk me through your first Patient assessment, what does your first initial assessment usually entail?
1: So it starts with the profile. So as soon as they talk to me, I'm listening um, to their tone of voice, their rate of speech, and, and male or female and such, and then that, that's where it starts, as soon as I interact with them. And then if, if they fill out my intake form,
0: <laughs> then yeah. I
1: further look at their patient profile. Right, um, good. Male, forty-two years old. Boom, already preconceptions, right? Yeah. And that—that's where it starts. And then they finally show up. And when they do show up, um, then I'll ask some clarifying questions,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then I'll watch them walk. Um,
0: why, why watch them walk, though? What is that? How does that help? Uh,
1: because that's the movement that everyone does. Mm-hmm and the walking uh, because when they come in and they're standing and sitting I've, I've already seen how they're standing and sitting uh, I'm already the hypothesis is growing good. and then when i actually watch them walk and even can they relax while i watch them walk All right uh-huh. so that also gives me information and i have them do a few steps and um, i may take a video of their walking with their consent good Um, so that they don't have to do a million laps. They Mm -hmm. should do one or two. Then we sit down, and then I ask them what they notice in their walking, what they feel and what they see because now I'm at the point where I'm going to – now I'm at the point of assessing their prognosis. Can they – do they notice their dysfunction? Do they notice what's good and what's bad? And then I chime in, and I give them permission to say, hey, it's okay. It's it's just what's top of mind, front of mind, boom. Then I tell them what I see, and they're like, "Oh, got it." And then, <clears throat> um, then I take to standing uh, position, standing assessing position. Then I put my hand on it and feel, mm-hmm. and then I may twist or have them shear, Now I add motion, and I'm getting closer to the diagnosis of what may be the primary driver. Then at that point, if needed, I'll have them sit, and then I'll check whatever's there. If not, then I'll have them lay on the table, and I may check them there if I, I haven't checked them sitting, and then I'll go straight into treatment.
0: And, and when you're checking them, how are you communicating with the patient as you're checking them?
1: Um, I'm, I'm telling them. Good. I also uh, usually have a mirror in front of them with one of my skeletons next to them Uh so that they can uh, feel my hand and compare their reflection with the skeleton right next to it so that they can also see what I'm feeling.
0: It's amazing when, when doctors like yourself understand everyone learns different through touch, through sight, through hearing, through smell even too. A lot of it is people you want to educate, we, we, same thing, we want to educate patients so they understand how their body's moving, sometimes improperly, and understanding how to get to a proper state, a proper standard. You're having them know exactly where they are right now and where you want to get them into. Boom. Yes. That's great. Well, And, and why is motion so important in an examination?
1: Because it's, uh, uh, motion is, is part of the picture. Uh, Mm -hmm. because there's also position and end feel Mm -hmm. um what is end feel because some people don't know what that is we do it's when you when you push on a tissue Mm -hmm. and you're assessing how that tissue pushes back or lets go in your hand um and um and, and we just keep it simple is it soft or is it hard good um and the great thing about assessing motion is that it's a it's a biomechanical tool. Um, So it's easy to, it's useful for me as a clinician, and the great thing is that it's also a great tool for the patient and her client to notice what they're able to do or not able to do. And also motion is important for like documentation (laughs) because it's easy to understand because it's very quantifiable. Um, Also, um, I think the great thing about Measuring motion is that we can also measure qualitatively.
0: Good. Um, It's almost you're giving a way to quantify but also qualify exactly how the patient is now and then over time get into a better state of health and understanding that by being objective like that allows them to see, okay, this is not you saying, I'm going to say, it's not what I feel. It's what actually what it is.
1: Yeah, and to let them know that sometimes there are two different things. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm and it's so, like people just don't know people I, people come in so they, so say, they still say sciatica okay <laughs> well, and they still know they don't they don't know what things right, are right. they google too much now they have too much google in their brain so it's all gooed up it's half are trying to ungoo it for them but again given like you said give them the grace to go okay i just want to hear your story let's work together to figure out what this is yeah you No. Know? and which is key how important is We talked about communication. How important is touch being a physical therapist?
1: It's very important Mm -hmm. because I think it's the art of touch is being lost. Huge. Because just because we got the name doctor, we're starting, we're doing a lot of talking to our patients Mm -hmm. and we're doing a lot of reading of their chart Mm -hmm. and we're doing a lot of watching them do things. Mm -hmm. Um, it's okay to touch your patient <laughs> mm-hmm. in fact touching the patient gives you so much more information and it's so much faster in gathering information instead of uh, watching someone move and intellectualizing their problem it's like why don't you just put your hand on it, it is actually one higher and lower what's the quality of the what's the end feel of the tissue um the other thing too is that um, when when touching you know it's it's also another form of communicating. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's three things that when I, when I touch a patient uh, that I'm trying to communicate. Uh, one is when I put my hand on a tissue and I move it, I'm communicating my intention for what I want that tissue to do. And the second component is my attitude about the patient. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I'm, I'm always, looking at the positive aspect of my patient. <laughs> and Optimism, you being optimistic. Being very optimistic. And then the third component is what I say. And what I say combined with what my touch helps that uh, patient on the table to kind of understand and so know and maybe intellectualize what they're trying to achieve. And I can use my words to guide their imagination to also help create the change. And so through my intention, my attitude, and my dialogue, I'm communicating all, even though it's my dialogue, it is congruent with my touch. And that creates trust. And so that creates the change in their body. Um, the other parts of communication is, is also the whole experience. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's started from the beginning. Like, hey, you're going to get this in a few minutes. I'm going to send it right now. And that starts to com- the trust component. Communication is important for that trust. And even at the end of the treatment is when you wrap up the session. You know, uh, when I wrap up the session, it's okay, so you're gonna feel this. Um, this is the best way to manage that. And it's just like public speaking. I'm gonna say this, you say it. And then after you say it, you say, this is what I said.
0: Right? And you're, you're, reiter- you're reiterating what the condition is Prognosis the hypothesis is that, and you're walking them through. And again, through touch, the person learns better through touch. They, yeah. they learn what you're saying. Cause they may not know the word you're saying, but I know what that feels like. That'll set an emotional response to the body to get them to remember that. He said the, the goal with everything we're doing in the for initial assessment for either of us, anyone in healthcare should be building trust with the patient. Yes. And then we help them. Yes, absolutely. If doctors, and I think maybe my soapbox, I'm on my soapbox right now, if doctors learn that, how do I build trust, how I communicate, how I touch, how I explain things, how I how I look for the patient to let me know how they learn, then that trust builds up. Then I can help them, and they'll listen and follow through to be compliant to see the results looking for.
1: Yeah, and part of the communication is also... Hey, um, I didn't expect it to go that way. Um, sorry, it's, it's kind of bad right now. <laughs> um, oops. <laughs> um, give, give uh, Let's let's give me a chance to kind of do this instead.
0: It's and, almost like your body responded I wanted to. Um, uh, at that point, let's let's re let's reverse that and get back to where we want where it should be. Yeah, you know, and every and it, it, as you know, everyone's That's body, we're
1: sailing all the time, but we we do try that. Just,
0: it's called (laughs) practice it's not a perfect yeah right (laughs) anything i missed that we talked that we that i sent the notes over for and we talked a little bit briefly from the show you wanted to cover um
1: one one of them was uh you you you're asking about uh where i got my passion and to keep the passion Mm -hmm. um to help people and uh i just want to give a shout out to my dad um, that, that's where I got it from. He owned his own business, on a driving school. And after he did his lessons, he would hold Alcoholics Anonymous, which I still don't understand fully why he does that. Um, but that, that's where I got it
0: from. Um, yeah, It's amazing when we're in our practice seeing patients and we do what we do, then we do other things to help the community. And sometimes they can't intertwine, but sometimes when we're passionate enough, we want to extend that beyond our office hours.
1: Yes. I, it, I think that never just, feels like work. It just feels no. like.
0: You know, just I, my bored. wife asked me a few months ago, what's your favorite day of the week? What do you think it is? Monday. <laughs> huge. Got it, dog. We didn't even not even practice that. That just huge. I love going to the office, I love seeing patients. I, it's work. I, I love dealing with the good, the bad, the ugly, that's part of what we do. When we're passionate about it, we're going to be practice not only for eight years, but for 18, 28, maybe 48 years. Who knows? I've met a doctor this weekend at an event. He's retiring in two months, hmm. 57 years old chiropractor Been in practice for about 35 years, loves wow. the profession. He just wants to travel now, healthy guy, healthy body and mind for one too. When you, when you're passionate, about what you do, You're going to keep yourself as a good example of what health should be phenomenal and then doc this is i know we we didn't this is not very comfortable for you all the time but you are when you when you talk genuinely you show a great passion for your field and help your patients so that's hopefully kind of goes a long way thank you welcome dr dr joel kim his website is on the show notes total potential pt along with get his 30 minute consultation. At that point, hey, I have, I have an issue going on. It's a free consultation. It says free right there, right? Okay. He may send if you a bill for coping. I don't know what's going on afterwards, who knows? But also go to a state post also, post other things too. It, it, I, and I, I like, and, I, and my, my, tip, my takeaway from this is, when you're genuine, what you want to do, and you can quantitate things for a patient, allows them to see over time, a improvement in their care, not only number wise but also quality of health wise too yep and doc how would you wrap the show what's your takeaway for people to understand what you do
1: the physical is emotional the emotional is physical
0: huge huge and when the body is working together and both are doing well at that point you can enjoy a long healthy quality of life all right Doc, you did a great job today. Thanks, Thanks for, for watching time. everybody. I'm going to stop the show. And then we'll see you in the back room for a second. Okay, Doc?